1: outdooredge.com The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsmen of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms. Fueled by Joy. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast.
0: Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in
1: here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. of the Houndsman XP podcast because we've got a a legislative emergency in Utah. I've got Corey Huntsman on the podcast to talk to you about what's going on out there, give you a full breakdown and give you the lowdown. This thing's getting a lot of coverage, which it should. We talked about it on Monday with Ivan Carter, which was kind of a precursor for today's conversation with Corey. And he's going to give you a lot of information on how you can get involved. And this is a nationwide deal, folks. Utah legislators have passed this bill, House Bill 469. It is sitting on the governor's desk right now. There's a couple options the governor has at this point. He can either go ahead and sign it, he can veto it, or he can just let it sit. And next week it will go into effect It'll go ahead and uh, automatically go into law. This should be an alarm for everyone across the country about the mismanagement of our wildlife and how politicians are trying to manage our wildlife and shutting the professionals out. You should be concerned. This is not the North American model for wildlife conservation. This is not where... We have drawn our expertise and built the most successful wildlife populations in the world. We have a chance here. It's not over yet, but time is running out, and Utah houndsmen and mountain lions need your help in the state of Utah you can check out our social media pages. We just dropped a bunch of information there about vetoing House Bill 469 with a link. It's easy, folks. All you got to do is click on the link in our post on Houndsman XP podcast on Facebook. Find it on Instagram and just work your magic. Hit the link. Put your name in. Put your email address in. Put veto House Bill 469. In the comment box, this is not good for wildlife, this is not good for mountain lions, this is not good for Utah. That's all I did. took me less than three minutes to do it. It doesn't matter that you're not from Utah. You're a concerned citizen of the United States of America, and it's time to exercise your rights and your freedoms to have a voice in the political process it also gives us the opportunity to make a stand and tell politicians that they need to keep their mitts off our wildlife let the professionals do their job the only thing that their job should be is to provide the funding approve the funding and send it over so that the experts and the professionals can manage our wildlife folks This is a good podcast, a lot of information in it. I hope you've listened to all the podcasts that were released this week in reference to this. I know that um, W dropped one. I hope you listened to it. Ivan Carter talked about it on Monday on this podcast, on the Houndsman XP podcast. Go back and take a listen to that. He covers that, but he covers so many other things too. So uh, a lot of good information there. Ivan Carter is a worldwide known well-known conservationist he's seen a lot of stuff and he's got a good, lot of good insight for us and he is very concerned about this bill as he stated monday and you should be too i'm not going to drag this out real long but i did need to put a little monologue up front to make sure that you're tuning into this and listening these things uh fat follow a pattern they get trendy We don't need politicians from other states looking at this and thinking, hmm, that's a good idea. Let's line our pockets with uh, money from other industries that are being impacted by the mountain lion. And um, my biggest fear, and this may be total conspiracy, but think about this for a second. You take the number one apex predator off of the landscape in Utah. And now you've got the same ag community that wants to eliminate the lion complaining about deer damage and competing for grass and everything else. And the stage is ripe for Center for Biological Diversity or one of these other groups to swoop in and say, have we got a deal for you? Let's introduce wolves. I'm telling you, folks, you got to be on point here. I'm not going to drag this out. Here's Corey Huntsman. Thanks for listening to the Huntsman XP podcast. Take action today.
0: Morning, Chris. Morning, Corey. How you doing, man? Doing good. How about you? I'm doing real good. How'd the banquet go? And it went awesome. Uh, Probably the biggest bank not probably it was the biggest bank that we've ever had. It was? Yeah, we had a better turnout than we've ever had and you know, by far we've raised more money this year than we ever have. So it was it was great to see all the support come in, you know, especially at this time of
1: need. Oh, there's definitely a time of need, and that's what we're talking to you about today is uh this is kind of a houndsman alert. You know, I, I think there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about today and and um a lot of it's been covered. You know, we had Ivan Carter on on Monday, and uh, I think, didn't W drop a podcast this week about the they, issue? They did, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't want to be redundant and cover everything, but I think all the press we can get is good press for this issue. And uh, I'm going to let you kind of, you know, steer us through this whole thing and and um, let us know what what's going on in utah and that way since i haven't had a chance to listen to w's podcast so i don't know what you guys covered and what you didn't or if there's something else you need to throw in there but so we got cory huntsman on the podcast and uh cory you're the president of the utah houndsman association right yep that's right i mean how could you not be the president with a last name like huntsman
0: <laughs> <laughs> i guess you it's it's a curse i guess yeah <laughs>
1: I've never, the only way it could be any more fitting if it was Houndsman, but I don't know anybody with that last name. So.
0: Yeah, I don't either.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just give us some backstory real quick. Whereabouts you at in Utah? You know, what, what's your, uh, what's your life, you know, third, three minute life story, Corey.
0: Well, I'm, uh, I live in Erta, Utah, just kind of west Northwest part of the state. Um, I'd lion hunted. Well, I'd line and bear hunt for about 20 years with hounds. Uh, I'd breed and raise my own kind of line of dogs. Uh, been president of the Hound Association the last three years.
1: They haven't got I'd tired hunt, of you yet, huh?
0: I'm hoping they will. <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> no doubt, <laughs> it,
1: man. <laughs> you know, it's a
0: lot of work, but I think if everybody can dedicate a few years to to pitching in and helping with an association, you know, everybody kind of paid back and, and take their turn. That's what'll keep these associations going. And it it is definitely my turn. I I hunted a long time and just kind of kept to myself. And it it was certainly my turn to step up and, and help out.
1: So, yeah. Do you guys have, were you mentored into that program? That's why I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious about this. Uh, A lot of time, these organizations, that I've seen in the past kind of become these, you know, power vacuums where people want to stay in charge. And, and so they don't really mentor the next generation coming up. So you've been a president for three years. Did you have a mentor in this thing or, or, and kind of paved the way for you here?
0: No, unfortunately, no, honestly. <laughs> and, uh, and it's three it to the fire. Well, well, yeah. And it was a rough start for all of us. I think I made some mistakes going in early on and, and the, our board kind of clashed, and and then we kind of realized we're all after the same goal, just different approaches to get there. And and we we got aligned a little bit better after a couple of years, and and now we're stronger than ever for it. I wish that we had a, a, a mentor to kind of steer us into it, and unfortunately, we we did it the hard way. I mean, the, the club's been going for several years, but.
1: Hey, hey yes. at least you did at least you didn't get elected because you were the guy that wasn't at the meeting, right?
0: Yeah, that, I've, that's seen, true. I've seen that before.
1: <laughs> let's, who's not here, let's nominate them, vote them in and then you get a phone call that says congratulations. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, everyone was on the call that day when we picked, unfortunately, so we couldn't throw anybody <laughs> into it. <but> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, oh man. Well, you that's guys good, are sur- you guys have certainly been getting a lot of press out there right. with, you know, everything that's going on in Utah right now. And uh, like I said before, I mean, all the press we can get on this thing is good press for Houndsman, if nothing else, to to let people know what's happening and to make sure that people are on point and not allowing the same thing to happen in their state, whether it's eliminating your lion season altogether or – you know, just blowing the lid off, but like Utah is trying to do. So break down that, break down the issue real quick for us, Corey.
0: Well, I'll tell you You
1: what. You probably can't do it real quick. I'm sorry. You, you break down the issue. What are you guys facing?
0: So we're facing a legislative bill that, that was slipped in at the last hour of the session on a completely unrelated bill. We didn't see it coming. I mean, there was a little bit of talk here and there the week of that somebody might slip it in, but Honestly, the, the one rumor I heard, I, I was not that afraid because the rumor I heard was a senator was going to try to slip it in in the last hour that would totally um, take the protection off the lions. And the reason I wasn't that afraid of that was because the wool growers would not get paid on a suspected lion kill if that were to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, man, this will get shot down. <clears throat> but the way they did it, requiring a small games license, they still get paid and I mean, about the only thing that's not regulated on them would be hunting at night. I mean, that's about the only difference. Now, I'm I'm hearing that their wildlife board might have some um, controls over this depending on if it's, you know, and the legislators can come back and say, no, that's not what, how we meant the, for the bill to be interpreted. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, like to try to, if it does, if the governor does sign, we're going to try to get some controls in place. But the way it's written, um, it's open to kill females, kittens, uh, snares, traps, unlimited uh, bag limits, year-round quotas. And and our media is kind of portraying it goofy. It seems like they're... What the does that saying about it? Well, their headlines are extending the season from 7 to 12 months, and that's hardly the issue. I mean... Lions are hard to hunt in the summer, so mm-hmm. I mean, you close year-round seasons aren't really that scary. Um, Sixty sixty-seven percent of our state is already in a year-round season with up to two lions. Legislators, legislators, got us on a bill a couple of years ago that kind of kind of forces the division to open up a unit to unlimited tags if the deer herd's under objective and. It's supposed to be if lions are a limiting factor, but it's, you know, they get so much pressure from these guys, from these legislators that they, they put, they went way overboard on it, basically. Which So we're already hard enough on the lions. Uh, I'm definitely uh, for finding a predator prey balance where we're not going to suppress a deer herd or keep it from, from growing. But there is that. A balance where you can have both, and and that's what the Utah Huntsman Association stands for. And in fact, you know we're part of a, a study with one of our university. Actually, most universities here that have a wildlife program are involved with, in cougar and bear studies, and and that's what we're trying to do. And we're actually getting pretty close at finding that predator-prey balance where we can actually put some science behind these quotas. And and unfortunately, this bill kills all of this research. Hmm.
1: You know, it's odd to me and maybe something that is a good message for people out there that aren't houndsmen or maybe even leaning towards, you know, thinking that that houndsmen are just looking up for opportunities to hunt and kill lions. You know, you come back to the east here and, you know, you take the the raccoon seasons and, and coon hunters are looking for more opportunity and availability a resource with the raccoon is definitely not the same. It's not as um, fragile as trying to manage for a, a mountain lion season. But back east, we're trying to get seasons opened up, a more liberal. And in the west, we've got houndsmen stepping up and saying, "No, don't. We don't need to be killing any more lions." And and I think that's a powerful message that speaks well for us as houndsmen because you know we just we don't want to kill more lions we love we, we want to take care of them we are the managers and and we're the most concerned i think that's a great that's a great point
0: it it is i agree with you and it's it is a misconception that we want to kill them all bloodthirsty hunters but uh just like any conservation group they care about the animal more than Hey, I don't know if we care about them more, but we do more to protect them than any other group. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you see houndsmen coming out that are like, no, we need to take care of this resource. And, and, and I always go back and tell people, you know, there isn't anybody that cares more about wildlife than, than hunters do. You know, I don't care what sticker you've got on the back of your Subaru, Um uh, you know, you don't care more about wildlife than what hunters do. There's no way. This is our whole life. We do this every day.
0: Well, and and how is any conservation funded? I mean, if, that we wouldn't have animals, we wouldn't have habitat if it wasn't for hunters. And those hikers and mountain bikers and rock climbers that are utilizing the land aren't putting in a thing towards preserving wildlife. They're
1: I don't easier. know, but... Yeah, but I don't know that I want them to either, you know, because when you, when you start charging them permits and backpack taxes, that was being kicked around probably four or five years ago. Haven't heard that term for a while, but everybody was talking about backpack taxes. And, and when you give those people a seat at the table, holy smoke, that, that worries me. That worries me. Yeah, I agree me. with
0: that. Yeah, hundred percent. We, Utah tried to pass the thing and maybe it's passed. I'm, haven't really followed up on it, but. For our people using our wildlife management areas owned by the fishing game, they tried to pass a, a deal where they had to have a hunting license to use it, whether they hunted or not, and they really pushed back hard. And yeah, to your point, I kind of agree with you. I, I'm glad that they did push back on that. And, yeah, and, and they don't have a seat at the table.
1: <clears throat> I'm I'm good. I'm good if they require them to have a hunting license. You know that that has you know i guess i could still get a voice that way but when you set up if your state legislators would come out and say hey we're going to do a backpack tax a land use tax holy smoke you know a land use permit and i don't know you can't last time i was on uh in the hoosier national um you know walking down the the one of the Mount Nebo trails i was walking in there to squirrel hunt and i had to it was like Walking down the interstate, dodging mountain bikes and stuff, you know. And I was like, Holy cow, what's happened here?
0: Oh, yeah. It's where we call these lions. It's kind of on an urban interface area. And in the mornings, you get up early and can beat them all, but coming back down, it's a steady flow of traffic.
1: Yeah, for sure. So let's, let's, I want, where are you guys at? I mean, give us an update. Where are you at on this whole thing? What's the process look like? It's been passed by the House and Senate. Where is, where is this bill As at? Because it, it's still a bill. It's not a law yet. It,
0: it, correct. As of Monday, it hit his desk, hit governor's desk. Um, he has till the 23rd to veto it, sign it, or just not do anything, and then it'll go to law May 3rd. Um, there's There's rumors of an emergency wildlife board meeting that would pop up to, to kind of set controls, some type of controls in this for, for May 3rd. Um, but there's also pushback on that. I'm hearing the, the only way they can, they can push a, an emergency meeting through would be if the species, if there's a threat to the species. And that's, I think why there's pushback, because if they admit that there's a threat to the species, then there'd be, Mm. a definite reason to void the bill yeah um beetle the bill i mean so
1: Mm -hmm.
0: it's a tricky situation that's drawn a ton of attention from the antis which you know on one hand you're like good let the legislators see what they've created and then the other hand yeah you don't want them storming you know the Capitol and, and try to get a ballot initiative going or something but luckily utah um, several years back, they passed a law that, that Proposition 5, I mean, passed a bill, Proposition 5, that requires a two-thirds majority vote to, for any wildlife change. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even if they did come, it, we're still we're still protected in Utah somewhat. But you have to worry about things like the, the Forest Service. I mean, these this kind of push from the antis could get the Forest Service to ban trapping. And, and we don't want to hurt the trappers. I, I, right. I trap them kids trap it's um but with them allowing this bill allowing trapping a mountain lion i mean that that's a bad luck for trappers it, it really is a cats big cats pull on people's heartstrings so bad the first time one of these hikers walks up and finds a kitten in a trap i mean all hell's gonna break loose oh man
1: yeah yeah for sure I think I think the reason that that Texas has held on to their trapping and their mountain lions for so long is because there's so much private property in Texas. I think you know, I think they're only like three percent public property. It's it's really low. And so the public doesn't have access to those ranches and things like that in that backcountry area. Whereas in Utah, I mean, where do you guys where do you guys rank? You guys are way up there on public public land and it's open to anybody.
0: It is, and, it, and you know, especially since COVID, it's getting used. <laughs> I don't know what happened through COVID, but people are recreating outside a lot more, uh, 10 times more than I've ever seen. You, you can hardly get away from them anywhere you go. So they're going to stumble upon these cats in traps. Um, but, you know, even to to speak to Texas, we've had some deer hunters reach out and say, Go, you guys are doing this backwards. We're trying to get lions on a big game list because we're, we're uh, worried we're not going to be able to kill them at all if we don't uh-huh. if we won't be able to manage them all so they're getting so much negative attention even with all that private property and yeah uh you know utah's going backwards here but i mean it's just it's frustrating i mean mike in your, your ivan show, he came out to call her with us and you know world renowned conservationist and been in all kinds of studies and see's the importance worldwide of research and no. putting sportsman dollars to to work, to learn more about finding this predator prey balance and in, in the right populations. And, and we're going back to the stone age. We have data showing where we need to put pressure on lions and where we, where it's not helping. Mm-hmm. And these guys are, these two legislators that slipped this bill, in. <laughs> they're not biologists. They didn't seek out our division of wildlife or our universities doing these studies. They just catered to their buddies' interest with their big ranches that are getting $15,000 per deer tag. And they think one lion's too many because it's, potentially costing them money and well,
1: what what is this going to do to that that study base and the, you know the data that can be collected what's going to happen to to you well, know mount, mount line management in utah if this thing goes through
0: there won't be any there's the funding's through the big game department mm-hmm. so this classifies a lion as a small game animal so that automatically takes the funding away from it but besides that I mean you can't learn anything about a lion Having it collared for three weeks, we had a we had a law passed after we got this lion study going to make it illegal to kill lions for three or four years. Collared lions, I'm sorry,
1: collared lions.
0: Yeah, and it, it, mm-hmm. you know we're only talking about thirty to fifty lions statewide that this protects. It's not end all for deer by doing it, but man we had one lion we collared in Provo, Utah, which is kind of north-central, right along our I-15 corridor. It went all the way up mid-Wyoming, back down to our eastern side of the state, and almost made it to Kansas.
1: No kidding. It,
0: yeah, it made it just, just uh, west of of uh, Denver. And it wow. got killed. Uh, another lion killed a two-and-a-half-year-old female. It's kind of a weird deal. But, you know, if she was collared for two months, we would have never seen her leave Provo. The original area she was collared in so so, what, so, so much- what you're
1: saying is so what you're saying is if if we take the restrictions off the lion in utah then all of a sudden there's no sense in going out and catching lines and put collars on them if they're gonna if they're just open season they can be killed and in, in the next day
0: exactly Italy yeah for sure that there's too much mm. money and time involved to to even you know just a waste of time
1: well okay so what other kinds of information why why should a deer or an elk hunter or a big horn sheep hunter or whatever out there you know other hunting groups why should they care about this this bill that's in utah right now well this
0: affects every every sportsman every tax-paying citizen really when when legislators can start passing wildlife bills with no biology behind them I mean that should scare everybody and and we see it different in every state you know we're fighting to for less killing uh, you know or I mean I I guess I'm having a hard time articulating that but we're we're fighting our legislators not not to take the sport away but to keep animals on the landscape so we can keep hunting them where it seems like most states are fighting to keep their sport legal to the ability to run dogs or
1: hunt right. legal,
0: yeah. and we're, <laughs> these guys don't want to take it from us. I mean, we're, we're good that way, but
1: the way the way I look at it, Corey, I, I see you guys fighting for science based wildlife management. You know, actual wildlife management, not you know the perceived management. You know, you're not looking at at, at you know you were talking about. Increase killing and stuff like that, and you guys are are not trying to trying to stand up and say, "Hey, don't kill our lions." You're saying, "Hey, if we're going to kill lions, let's do it the smart way and not just open it up and have a free for all and and war on on the mountain lion."
0: Well, that's exactly it. I mean, how do you, when the antis do come to shut you down to question why are we killing lions, we'll have no science or data well just because lions are bad lions eat deer so we're killing them all. or right. you know with science-based data you, you can explain why we're killing lions and show that we're there is a balance there there is a need for them but there is a need to manage them as well and without that, that when legislators start managing your wildlife you, you're here there is no science behind it and and i think every state seeing it, it i mean you hear about another wildlife bill being passed monthly it seems like yeah across the nation and it i just don't think they have a place in wildlife. we have an awesome system in utah a process public process we on, on any big change or management plan we have a committee with formed with every stakeholder from land you know federal land agencies private landowners uh wool growers cattlemen hunters, sportsman, houndsmen, and we get invited to these committees, and there's usually four or five meetings in across the state for four hours apiece, and then the you know the the middle ground that we come up with in these committees, they run through a rack process with a regional advisory committee, and we have five mm-hmm. different regions in the state, and so every region in the state allows public input and and our state game agency explains why they're proposing what they're proposing. So the, the public's really involved. And then the final step is our wildlife board. Some people call it a commission, but our wildlife board's made up of seven guys. And there's one more last chance for public input and, and education of of why this recommendations are being made. And then the wildlife takes all the, the information and they vote on it. And, like you said, it's not a perfect system, but it, it's it's pretty dang good. I mean, you're if you want to be involved, they'll involve you with it. But the way this is going about, it completely eliminates any of this public input, public education, and you're at the mercy of. Uh, you know, we're, like Ivan said in your last polit- uh, podcast. We're out politic in this, and if yeah. one one message can be brought from this is uh sportsman groups, whether you're houndsmen or deer hunters, whatever your group is, man, you gotta you gotta make friends in the legislature or you're right. gonna get walked all over. And that, uh, that do, was how, definitely where we're we're sorry to cut you off. That's definitely yeah. our shortcomings. We I
1: mean we, there's there's even politics on these wildlife boards though really. I mean there the, You can't just oh, you know there yeah. there's a lot of backroom meetings and stuff and a lot of things that are decided before you know your wildlife board or your wildlife commission comes down and makes their their final final recommendation to the to the department and um sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad but uh politics aren't just limited to our legislators there's a lot of politics that go on uh, you know hey i'll i'll vote for this and support this if if we can get money for quail research or you know brown trout or you know whatever it is
0: yeah without a doubt and you know over the last few years we've really built up a good relationship with our division of wildlife and, and wildlife board and we're in a good place with them but this legislative stuff is completely foreign to us we didn't see it coming we should have we should have been prepared. To, you know, you see it all across the nation, and that's something that we need to figure out. But <laughs> we're a long ways from there right now, and unfortunately, well, the problem that's is what we're fighting now.
1: Yeah, the problem is Corey. You know, you've got a job that the the Utah Houndsman Association doesn't keep the lights on at your house or put food on your table, and and so there's only, and I'm sure all your board members are exactly like that. Whereas the people that are trying to interfere with this stuff they've got staff you know they've got people that that can look at these issues and strategize and and they're professional that's what they do for a living what do you what do you do for a living
0: um i'm a emergency coordinator for a a tech company
1: yeah so you know you're an expert in that field and you're learning this other stuff I think that's why it's so important that everybody, these hound organizations have got so many skilled people. And if everybody would show up and say, uh, houndsmen in general, you know, the whole hunting community has got so many skilled people that if everybody just did a little bit and contributed in a little bit of a way, we could, we could really stay ahead of a lot of this stuff. And then we're not strapping our directors and our officers and these hound organizations with all this stuff and then point the fingers at them when the, when things go wrong. So yeah. I don't, I don't want you to take, I don't want you to say, yeah, you said, you made a comment that sparked that you said, you know, we should have been in front of it. Like you're taking blame for this, but I I've watched you guys for a long time and and you guys work hard. You've got a good reputation. Um, uh, you know, you're doing things right and you just can't catch everything because you just can't. You can't catch everything, so don't be too hard on yourself, man.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. It's it is tough, but you know when something like this does happen, it it if you take the blame or not, it does show you where where your downfall, your shortcomings are, and where you need to strengthen your your group. But it is tough with the job and and fighting. I mean, we're fighting the wool growers and the Cattlemen Association and the four professionals, most powerful professionals, legislators.
1: Professionals. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, and guys that, that old guys favor and have a lot of money and you know, and it's it'll take a miracle to get this vetoed. That's for sure.
1: Do, does the Utah Houndsman Association? Do you guys have a paid lobbyist that works for you out there?
0: We don't. Well, I'm yeah. meeting with one today though. So.
1: <laughs> I guarantee you that the cattlemen and the wool growers they've got lobbyists that are that are working in their interests, and I think there's an opportunity. We've featured. Um, you know, protect the harvest there. And you would think that with as many common enemies as we have, hunters and the ag community, ranching community have, you know, we could, we could find some common ground and not be trying to kill each other all the time.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, That's a, that's a problem. We, we should be all on the same side, but.
1: The same, I, people, the same people that are coming and saying that, you know, you shouldn't castrate a, a calf are the same people that say you shouldn't be treeing a, a mountain lion with a hound, you know. That's
0: exactly right, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, and, oh, you shouldn't ride your horse. Oh, you shouldn't work your dog. Same group of people. Let's all get on the same page here.
0: I think, you know, as, as good as Bill's Proposition 5 is, it, it when it passed, we were right on the verge of losing trapping and hound hunting. So it was a saving grace it really was but it also lets these guys know that they don't need to um unite right now i think i think we've got another yeah. 30 years before the demographics i mean you know it, it could change really fast especially if the bill like this it could really speed that up but this that's their security they tell us they have 30 years before they have to worry about that and they don't think they need us right now
1: but well i'll tell you man that's that's a common problem we we dealt with that in indiana you know just getting people involved your average your average deer hunter doesn't belong to any organization because there's not a need there's deer yep. everywhere you know um the hook and bullet crowd's pretty much asleep at the switch because of all the great work that the north american model has done for wildlife in this country and um you know people are starting to wake up to it But, but by and large, I mean, the hunters and fishermen have been asleep at the switch and they're just, they're just out there, you know, casting a line in the stream and walking through the woods and setting up their tree stands and doing whatever and say, man, this is great. And they're not looking down the road. They're not, they're not seeing that big picture.
0: No, and it's easy to do.
1: You You bet. (laughs) Yep, for sure. For sure. So, how do we get how do we get here? I mean, how do we get to this point where we've we've allowed the science North science based North American model to be to be cast aside to let people you know make decisions on wildlife that have no knowledge of wildlife? What how we get here, Corey?
0: Well, the ballot box. I mean, it's who we voted in. We've got this is the fourth year in a row we've seen these legislators get their fingers into uh, you know various wildlife related issues and they they keep getting voted back in. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to pay attention and and uh, and get out and vote and and I think point out to the public let this you know be seen what these guys are doing if you you hunters that are out just casting your line and, and sitting in your stands and that these guys are affecting you. They're going to affect the way you can hunt and when you can hunt and what you can hunt. If, if you're continue to vote them in they'll they have their own narrative and, and I, I don't know how else to stop them other than to vote them out.
1: It's such a, the, this whole political arena, this day and age is such a, uh, it's just a quagmire, really. Uh, I'll just talk about Indiana. You know, we we have had a, a dominant majority uh, conservative legislature and governor's office for man. I'm trying to think the last time we had a Democrat governor here. And and you know, as as sportsmen, we always jump on those bandwags. I'm not going to try to make this a Republican Democrat thing at all. But I think we need to to. I, w- I worry because I see things um, more concerned about the dollars that corporate America can bring in the the capitalism side of it, and I sound like a daggone Marxist right now, and I hate it. But but as sportsmen, we have to pay attention to that and really challenge these conservatives that and and our legis our our legislators to to act in the best interest on in all things, not just special interests that's going to get them reelected that's a tough one man
0: it is and it's not something that <laughs> i mean we're all rednecks, way absolutely
1: Trying to, try you to know, figure
0: out this world is tough it's second amendment world.
1: supporters and freedom of speech and all this other stuff that goes right along with you know it's basically the fabric that makes makes us up more we just like for everybody to leave us alone let us We'll take care of this. There's no sense of weaponizing this issue and making a political issue. We can handle it, but it's it's just gotten gotten crazy.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's it's getting tough to to fight when they take it to this level. It's it's, it's a really disheartening to see to be honest with you. We have a paid wildlife game agency with skilled biologists and. I mean, what's the point of having them if we save taxpayers a lot of money if we can get get rid of the division of wildlife and just let these legislators tell us what's best for wildlife? I guess.
1: Man, yeah, and then and you talk about the paid professionals. Let's talk about them a little bit. Where are they where are they at on this thing that you know of? And don't throw anybody under the bus. We don't want to jeopardize anybody's job or anything like that.
0: But they're just- in a bad situation. They mm-hmm. really are. I mean this. This is a slap in the face to them. Um, but our fishing game takes direction from the legislators, so it's basically. It, I mean, they without trying to throw anybody under the bus, they they can't really push back on this. They can a little bit, but for the most part.
1: Just tell just tell us why. I want I want everybody to understand why they can't push back.
0: They they I mean in all reality they control their jobs. They they have the say who who works for the fishing game and who, and who doesn't. If if they don't agree with it, they can put enough pressure on the division to get people fired mm-hmm. from the very yeah. top down to the very bottom. And these guys are are terrified of, of them, and so they go along with it because they don't have a choice and and it's the process. They, they do take direction from legislators. Uh, unfortunately,
1: I'm I, I, I'm a little more independent here where I can, I can be a little more free and I'll just tell you what I've seen. You know, I'm not, I'm not in fear of, of, um, you know, my voice not being heard by a legislator. I hope they are listening. Um, but what I've seen, the way they control that is through funding. You know, so you get, you get a, a biologist out here. That's beating the drum that, that shows up and he starts, you know, he's waving this, you know, don't support this bill. You know, he's out there in the public eye and doing interviews and, and he's just exercising his rights as an American to, to voice his opinion. Well, what happens is the guy that, that, is the head of the resources commission sees this gets it brought to his attention and he's buddies with the guy from the wool growers and the guy from the wool growers sees it and calls this other, you know, the legislator and says, Hey, you need to shut him up. So they call over to the, the department and they say, Hey, you need to shut him up or you're not going to get funded next year. That's how the pressure works.
0: It, yeah, no, it's horrible. You know, I, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but I, I read a couple of the local articles where the, the division was supporting this basically. I mean, it really looked, looked that way. And I was on my way to talk to a different local reporter. And I called them on my way in. I said, oh, am I burning bridges for you guys? And they said, no, not at all. Why? And I said, am I, are you guys upset the way I'm fighting this? And they said, no, we're cheering you on. This was a slap in the face to us. And I said, "God, oh, you'd never know it by reading your articles. And, they said well we take direction from the from the legislators and we don't have a choice on this so it's a I do feel for them they're in a bad position I mean, they went to school for this they're on the mountain constantly working hard and trying to do the best they can to manage our game the way that they think it's the the data backs it up and supports and these guys can just override them and if they and if they have anything to say about it then they potentially lose their job so yeah, it's a horrible deal.
1: You know, it's easy for us to sit back and say, well, you know, that, that biologist out there, he works for me and and he needs to voice his opinion. And, you know, if he really believes in this, he'll he will find another job and and you got to make sacrifices and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, you're thinking you're talking about a guy that's got years of training. And uh, I'll get back up a little bit. And and houndsmen biologists are are easy targets for us houndsmen, as as like and game wardens are too. But um any wildlife professional is an easy target. And how many people do you have show up at your banquet?
0: I think we had right around maybe just shy of five hundred and fifty this year.
1: Yeah. And how many houndsmen are in the state of Utah?
0: Estimate.
1: I, I bet you we're close to a thousand. That's a pretty daggon good. That's a pretty daggon good return right there. You guys are doing things right, and that that tells me. But a lot of times you see, you know, these hound organizations, and, that are, you have people that show up, and then there's a bunch of people that won't show up. So for a houndsman to sit back and say, "Ah, oh, he ought to just sacrifice his job," they won't even show up to a banquet a lot of times to support what's going on. You know, they won't spend a hundred bucks to to. Or- to to support the cause but they're all about this biologist sacrificing his job for the for the good of the cause
0: well yeah and that you know we did have a huge turnout this year but you got to think that's that's wives and kids or husbands and kids and um so we probably had about 300 houndsmen out of the thousand honestly and and you're exactly right it is it is easy to point the finger when they're not willing to do anything in return. And I didn't realize, you know, until I started collaring these lions with them and i go out on the deer captures, collar deer with them and we take our mules. And I, I've done elk classification to, and just been in the field with them quite a bit after you, you make friends with them when you start collaring. Yeah. And, and, and you get invited to more things and, you know, houndsmen spend a lot of time away from their families on the mountain. Mm-hmm. You, these guys have us beat i i guarantee it i don't care how hard of a houndman how much you hunt these guys are on the mountain more than us at least here in utah i was shocked because i've cursed them for managing wildlife out of their office before you know before Mm -hmm. i actually saw what went into it and and i i don't always agree with them and that's what where the public process comes in where you can have a little say from from your point of view um Boy, I, I do trust him more than I did before I started working with them. I think they are the, the experts I, and well, their voice I think, should be heard.
1: That is, yeah, that's, I think that's a good message right there. You know, it's, it, it, I'll tell you right now, biologists, um, we've got Seth Hall's a biologist and he's a, he's an anomaly cause he's actually entertaining to listen to, but, um, most biologists don't care about the messaging you know they're just they're scientists they're out there to gather data they're very passionate about what they do um if they've if they got a special specialty they're good at what they do and sometimes the messaging breaks down they don't want to be the guy in front of the the public they just want to go back out and gather more data gather more data and and they're they're a special breed for sure for the
0: amount of school they have to go to and the amount of time away from their family and on the mountain and, and the pay that they get in return. I I mean, it's obvious they do it because they love wildlife. That's no other reason.
1: I think there's a big trend out there though, to, to think that that these biologists are working against us and against hunters. And you've seen the opposite of that, right?
0: I don't, I can't speak to other states, but in Utah, I don't know one of our biologists that is not a, a hunter, which is great. Even our law enforcement is all hunters. Um, so no, to say they're working against hunters. I, I don't, I don't agree with that at all here.
1: You know, when I was working at, and I'm not trying to make this about me, but I knew several people like you just described, you know, I didn't know any biologists that, that weren't hunters. And they, they cared so much about it that they were willing to, to go out and get an education and make it their life's profession. And I saw so many of our officers that, uh, the reason they're hard on hunters is because they're a hunter too. And they were, they were just saying, Hey, you want not come out here and not be a jackass. You don't get to represent me and other hunters. And so that's a lot of what, what motivates these guys it's like hey we're out here we're doing our job we're serious about it and we're you take some of these biologists they could have they're smart enough they could have been nuclear physicists and making you know six or seven figures a year in the private sector and yet their passion was for wildlife and making a difference there and i think they deserve our respect
0: yeah i agree 100 percent.
1: yeah yeah what what What's the process now, Corey? I mean, where are we at? What are we looking at? What do a need to do right now to, um, can other states help you? What do we need?
0: Absolutely. Um, if you wouldn't mind posting the the link, I'll I'll text it to you when we're off of this call. And, and there's a, it's a simple click of a button and you just send an email. You don't have to put your address or anything. Just put your name and your comment and just ask to, Ask the governor to veto house bill 469. Um, just to Is let the be- make the decisions or, you know, manage wildlife, not legislators.
1: Yeah. So, so will it matter if a guy from bear branch, Indiana sends an email to the governor of Utah? Nope, not at all. You don't think it'll matter? Will it, no, will I'm it sorry. It-
0: I thought you meant hurt. I'm sorry. No, i okay. not heard a bit. Yes. Heck yeah. It'll matter. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you still have the money and the power being pressured on the governor. But I think enough public feedback is going to make him think about it. And, and I know it is making him think about it. We've, we've been in contact with his office, and they said they're getting a ton of calls both directions, which to me uh, just shows even more reason to veto this and run it through the public process. So uh, absolutely, I think it helps. If if houndsman will, will take five minutes and and shoot an email in, I mean it, it's really a simple form. Yeah, you don't doesn't require any real personal information other than your name.
1: Yeah, so this link will take me to a to a like a uh, a prepared email that says, "Hey governor, don't do this. I'm against this," and it's already written for me. All I got to do is fill in my name and a little bit of personal information, nothing in depth, and shoot that in, and he's going to get that get that information across his desk.
0: Uh, it's not it's not a filled out email. All it is okay. is a, you put your your name and your you know just like an email, it has a subject line. Just in the subject, it's put please veto House Bill four sixty nine, and okay, then in the comments you can put as little, as much as you want. I think basically they're reading the subject line only. So if you just put, please veto house bill 469, that's plenty.
1: Yeah. 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 Probably less is best on this whole thing, you know, veto 469. And then say, I'm a concerned citizen and this is not good for wildlife. And that's really all you need to say. If you try to write a book, they're not going to read it for one, but, um, Unless you're a wildlife biologist or a professional politician, uh, you might do more damage than you do good.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you know, there's a there's emails he's people that he's seeking out for their opinion that he'll he'll sit and read. But I think for the most part, they'll just see for or against and kind of tally him up.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, what else you got? What else you got for, for us, Corey? I want. I, what would you go ahead? You you say oh, no. I'm gonna let, turn you loose right there, and then I'm asking one more question. We'll wrap her up because I know you got meetings today.
0: Um, God, you know, really, if like you said earlier, if anybody can learn from this bad deal that we're going through, just just strengthen your associations. If you're not part of a hound association, I think it is important to join them, it, whether you agree with them or not. I mean, that's how you you have a say is by joining. If you're not a member, it's hard to change an associate. If you, you know, if you don't agree with what they're doing or how they're ran, then be a part of them and, and get it changed and, and help them out. And, and you might find out there's a reason why they, they do things the way they do and, and understand it a little bit more too. But if we don't unite and we don't support each other, you know, in different States, then we're going to lose quicker. I mean, we're already on the chopping block constantly so I just urge everybody to, to get your associations as strong as you can and and try to unite and, and stay close with surrounding states that, that you can help because it is a domino effect. We went unlimited quotas on a few units in our state, and all, almost instantly Idaho did the same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I've talked to lion hunters this past weekend uh, while I was in Kalispell, and some of them were from Idaho, and they're very concerned about um, you know, the, the direction that Idaho's going with the mountain lion. So there's definitely a domino effect. And I think you answered it, you know, get involved, be the, if you don't like what's going on, then, then get involved and you be the change that you, you need to see. But I tell you what, man, I've seen this so many times. Um, I was involved with the hound organization here and you'd get some guy that got elected he was very much loud and and against what was going on and then once he got elected to a board position and he started figuring out oh this isn't as simple as what i thought it was and this is why this is done it's it's an eye-opening experience for a lot of them for sure
0: Yeah, <laughs> i'll tell a quick story but yeah I, you know i like you said earlier i just hunted, I kept to myself. and had maybe one or two good friends that I'd hunt with occasionally, but I didn't get online ever. You know, I wasn't on social media. And
1: You're just I'd, living in your own little hound dog world, weren't you, Corey? Yeah,
0: and I nice saw <laughs> cougar increases affect my backyard one time, and well, I got right on Facebook and cursed the Hound Association. What the hell are you guys doing allowing this to happen? And <laughs> one of them called me and said, man, it fits the management plan. i like, well, what's the management plan? I didn't know what the Cougar management plan was and, you know, it was worked out and where well, you can't fight that it, it did fit the criterias for an increase. I didn't know why. I just knew that I was going to have a hard time, a harder time finding the line in my backyard and I yeah. didn't know anything else. But so now fast forward to while I'm on the board and, and sitting in the meetings and, and actually part of, coming up with these management plans with their, with our state agency. And it's a whole different game. And I'm now I'm getting the calls and getting cursed out (laughs) for why are you supporting this? And, and, you know, if you're not involved, you don't know. And, and the more, you know, the more you can help change. So.
1: Yeah. And I, I I wish every houndsman out there would understand that the importance, nobody's going to ask you to do it all. Just do what you can. If you can do, if every houndsman would do what they can, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's just forwarding stuff on social media because you're a member and you're tracking Utah Houndsman Association. Maybe it's showing up at the banquet and helping set up chairs. Maybe it's, you've got a, you know, a local sporting goods store that just gets one item for an auction item to take to your banquet. If everybody would just do what they can, man, we'd be so much stronger.
0: Uh, That's exactly right. I mean, we're all just a spoken oil. And if everybody can just do a little bit, it it goes a long way.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, Corey, send me that link. Uh, I'm going to, matter of fact, I'll probably post it on Facebook and the social media sites today, our, our channels there, and get people involved. And every voice matters on this.
0: Yes, definitely. Yep. And I sure appreciate you doing this.
1: Corey, I appreciate you taking time and and um uh, helping us understand what's going on there. We didn't get deep into the issue, but I think there's been enough uh press to understand what's going on. We just need to keep beating the drum, get involved, get involved, get involved. Don't don't uh sit back and think that somebody else is gonna, gonna take care of things for you. And it may sound like a good deal. You know, I I I'm looking at it and I'm thinking. Yeah, I can go to Utah and chase lions and, and, you know, do it on a small game license. What a great deal. But five, ten years down the road, it's not going to be a good deal.
0: No, you'll, you'll waste a lot of gas and money <laughs> coming here trying to find an easy lion because they're, this, if trapping goes through, it will, they're not hard to trap.
1: Right. Right. Well, Corey, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you taking time to be on the Houndsman XP podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure you're checking out HoundsmanXP.com and a lot of good resources over there. Shop with our sponsors. They're in this fight, too. And thanks for listening. This is the Houndsman XP podcast. This is Fair Chase. The Houndsman XP Podcast Network is powered by Cajun Lights. All of your lighting needs for hunting can be taken care of at Cajun Lights. They have three models of cap lights. I'm gonna run through them real quick. You've got the Rogaroo, which is their high end light. If you're a competition hunter and you gotta find that coon up in a tree, and it's all riding right, on finding that coon, you'll want the Rogaroo on your head. Next is the Bayou. That's a pretty standard light, but it's got packed with features. It's got multiple colors, It's got walking lights. It's got the red, the green, the amber. It's all built in right into that light. And then you have one of my personal favorites, the Micro Gator. The Micro Gator is an ultra lightweight cap light. It's got all the features of a white light, red, green, and amber. I've used this light for everything from finding bear tracks early in the morning, to coon hunting at night, to working on plumbing in the house changing tires on the side of the road my truck doesn't leave the driveway without a cajun light in it and that light is the micro gator every cajun light is durable made from the highest quality components and it is backed by cajun's top rated customer service check out cajun lights you can go to our website at houndsmanxp.com go to our sponsors page hit that link it'll take you right to cajun lights check them out They got a lot of stuff to offer over at Cajun Lights.